Are you ready to hear about some fun picture books? <laughs> well, I am always excited to come and talk at CEA about picture books, but I'm especially excited to be here today because last night, I wasn't sure I was going to make it. It was a little touch and go for a bit. Would you like to hear why? <laughs> so I was in a car with Mary Jo Stahl as my driver, <laughs> Emily Pettinga, fourth grade teacher in the front passenger seat, my husband in the back seat with me. I was behind MJ. And we found the best parking spot in the parking garage of Doubletree. And it had a wall on one side and a white Fiat <laughs> that was at least parked on the line and not over the line. And Emily and Kevin got out before MJ pulled in, which was a really good idea. And so I stayed in the car, pulled into the parking spot, and I thought, oh, I can get out. It'll be no problem. So I opened the door. It might have touched the white Fiat. I wouldn't have said that if one of you owned it. Um, <laughs> and I got my left foot out, and my left arm out, and my head. And then my right foot got stuck. <laughs> and I said to Mary Jo, we might have to zoom the picture books from the <laughs> It was quite an event. But I just got back in the car and she backed up. <laughs> but it was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> this is the first year that this session counts for sketches, which is awesome. So in the back of the room is Kim Whitty. She's our chairperson. Thank you, Kim, for being here today. She will be able to sign your little booklet thingy that you have that um, has the sketches in it. So she is there to help with that. Also, I'm recovering from a cold. So um, if I start coughing, MJ's just going to fill in for me. So, <laughs> right? You're cool enough. I am an elementary principal at Hudsonville Christian School. This is my fourth year, so we just made it through COVID and trying to get right back on track again. So I'm excited to share some great books with you. This year I have a table of contents. Uh, we're going to talk about some back to school books. There's been some amazing ones that have come out this year. Second, we're going to talk about friendship books. And then I have a whole list of books that support your teaching, or at least kind of support your teaching. So, back to school books. I know it's not back to school time anymore, but you could use these next year, or when you come back from this break, because you're coming back to school, so <laughs> So the first one is, Hurry Little Tortoise, Time for School. In this book, it's Little Tortoise's first day of school, and she is bound and determined to be on time this year. Her feet are a blur, but somehow all of her classmates still pass her. They give her encouragement along the way, but Little Tortoise ends up stuck in the gutter of the book. 
and then she's upside down and helpless. I know. <laughs> Thankfully, her teacher, Mr. Sloth, <laughs> is also late. <laughs> he comes upon her and helps her up, and together they make their way into the classroom to start the day. Mr. Sloth's wisdom that he gives to the students. Sometimes we're fast, and sometimes we're last. The important thing is that we're all here. There's also a fun little twist at the end. Up next, we have Little Mole Goes to School by Glennis Nellis. Um, another great book about coming back to school. This story celebrates the fact that everyone has different gifts. Little Mole is headed to school for the very first time, and he's a little bit worried that his limited sight and hearing are going to make it hard for him to be successful in school. So when he arrives, he sees some of his woodland friends. Little Hare is amazing at hearing, of course. Little Squirrel has the best eyesight. And Little Lark already knows her ABCs and can sing them beautifully. Little Mole works hard to listen to his teacher and to learn, but he just really can't wait for recess. Maybe some of you know students like that. During recess, he and his friends get into a little bit of a pickle, and Little Mole has to use his incredible paw, paws to dig them out of a sticky situation. There's a tunnel that collapses, and he is the only one that can help them to get out. The other friends use their gifts too, until they finally make their way back to the classroom. And it turns out Little Mole actually loves school. I think this would be a great book to talk about with Romans 12, we're talking about all the different parts of the body coming together. It's a really great book talking about community and friendship. This is a school, it's written by John Shue. Um, maybe some of you follow Mr. Shu on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. Anybody? Does anybody know who Mr. Shu is? Some of you do. He is just a passionate, energetic guy who just wants people to read. Um, he works a lot with kids. Um, he goes and does school visits. He just gets people all hyped up about reading. So um, he's just a delightful person. And this is his first book called This is a School. And it not only shows just the people and the activities that go on in a school each day, but it really captures the community of what a school looks like. So they're sharing in it, helping, celebrating together, um, caring for one another, failing, and learning from it. And they find out that everyone in this school is important. The words in the book are very simple, so you have to really depend on the illustrations to get the full effect of the story. It's a beautiful little book. The more I look at it, the more I like it. Like, I see things in the pictures each time, so. Not yet, Yeti. <laughs> Yeti is excited for his very first day of kindergarten. There's a lot of kindergarten books this year. He bumbles his way through the morning, and he gets frustrated when he can't do everything correctly in just the right way he's supposed to. His classmates have already mastered the growth mindset. And so they help him. And they say, not yet, Yeti, but you can try again. He's only got the first letter when he's trying to write his name, but the book ends saying that he can try again tomorrow. I like that he doesn't complete something at the end of the book. He still has more to do and more to learn. 
Um, it's a great book for new kindergarten students, but also talking about their growth mindset and cooperation, too, in a classroom. Kindergarten, where kindness matters every day. Um, again, another kindergarten book. Leo is a quiet kid who is pretty nervous about starting school. He gets a letter from his teacher in the summer, and she invites all of the kids to think about ways that they can make their class into a kinder garden. They're going to share their ideas when they come to school, and they're going to talk about them and make a pledge together. And Leo is pretty certain that he doesn't have anything to share when it comes to kindness. And actually, he just wants to be quiet, and he certainly doesn't want to share anything. However, as the kids are in school, and he does go to school, um, they make a list to add to their kindness pledge. And a lot of the students start to call out Leo for things that he has done throughout the day. He's helped the door open for people. He has helped clean up some things on the floor. And he doesn't even realize that he's doing them. He finds out that kindness is not just in the words you say, but also in the quiet actions that you take. Uh, the author of this book taught kindergarten and first grade for 15 years, so she's got some experience to put behind her stories. Um, there's information in the back of the book, too, which is always helpful. And the, the kindness pledge that the kids make together is in the back of the book as well. I think this one is my favorite kindergarten book this year. The Queen of Kindergarten. The character in this book is MJ, and she is ready and excited for her first day of kindergarten, and she gets ready at school, and her mama tells her that there's just one thing missing in her outfit, and she puts a sparkly tiara on MJ's head. Mama had worn that tiara on her first day of kindergarten. And now it's MJ's turn to be the queen of kindergarten. So what do you have to do when you're the queen of kindergarten? Three things. Brighten every room, you have to be caring and kind, and helpful to others. Well, during the day, she has opportunities to care for somebody who wants to go home, and she helps a classmate put away the blocks, and so many other things. The book has a really joyful feel to it, and MJ's voice is so sweet and playful, and it just really shines through the whole story. Just a little side note in this one, um, the teacher, Miss Lovinggood is her name. She is double dutching on the playground of the students with high heels on. <laughs> also, I love that all of these back to school books hit different kids. So you've got kids with anxiety, you've got kids who are just ready to go and roll at school. Um, but it might also help kids have a window into how other kids are feeling when they start school too. Also, side note, I noticed in many of these that if you had a picture book classroom, you would have eight students in your class. <laughs> All right, these next ones are great books with uh, friendship themes to them. First of all, I want to talk about a little chapter book. It's an early, early reader chapter book um, by Gary B. Schmidt, who spoke with us this morning in the keynote. Um, I love everything that he writes. Um, but this one is especially fun. It's hard sometimes to find chapter books or read-alouds for like first grade, second grade. I taught first grade for a lot of years and we kind of developed our own set of good read-alouds. But this one is a great one to add to that. It's called One Smart Sheep. 
Um, and I think it's possible that kids are going to need just a little bit of scaffolding when you start reading this one just to help them understand who the characters are because there's a lot of names right at the outset. And so if you can figure out who is who right away, that will help the story move along quickly. So Wilson is Abigail Atwood's friendliest, wooliest, and smartest sheep. He's also handsome. In a not-so-smart moment, though, Wilson ends up far away from his safe and comfortable home, and he has to use all of his smarts to find his way back home. And surrounding this fun adventure is a beautiful friendship between Abigail and Wilson, Tippy, the Border Collie, and their neighbor, Jeremiah Jefferson. It's just really a precious story. And it's got little cliffhangers at the end of each chapter that make you want to keep reading. It also has a really fun ending. That's a great one. <laughs> I think this might be my favorite. <laughs> Fluffy McWhiskers, cuteness explosion. This is very loosely friendship themed. I just wanted to fit it in somewhere. <laughs> so Fluffy McWhiskers, is a cat, obviously. And she really wants a friend, but she is so cute that whoever sees her explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and as you can imagine, that causes a lot of problems and makes it hard to, for her to find a friend. Um, she tries a lot of ways to just be alone and away from others so that nobody else explodes. And she finally succeeds by inhabiting a deserted island. Well, until an equally adorable dog shows up. <laughs> Has she finally found a friend who won't blow up at the sight of her? <laughs> I'm not going to give away the ending, but it's pretty good. How old is Mr. Tortoise? This is, again, a loose friendship theme, but it's just a fun story. Um, in this book, it's Mr. Tortoise's birthday, and he is so excited because he gets to do his favorite thing on his birthday, eat cake. But we can't eat the cake yet because we don't know how many candles to put on the cake. Everybody seems to have an answer for how old Mr. Tortoise is, and so many opinions are thrown around, and Mr. Tortoise just doesn't really care because all he wants to do is eat cake. He's had a good life, he has good friends, Let's just eat cake. He doesn't need to know how old he is. Finally, they all work together to put several clues together and they figure out how old he is. But now we have another problem. There aren't enough candles. But never mind. Mr. Tortoise has a solution and is finally able to eat his cake. Um, this one has just a lot of humor in it that kids will enjoy. And also the case cover underneath the dust jacket if you take it off is super fun too. The Rock of Room 214. Rick the Rock lives on the Nature Finds shelf in Room 214. When the class starts learning about rocks and how they are so strong and they hold up the world, Rick wonders when he will have adventures like that and be able to confront the dangers of outside. The other Nature Finds are perfectly content to stay there on the Nature Finds shelf, but Rick is restless. So one day, he sees this opportunity and he leaves the classroom to start his life of adventure. 
But once he's outside, he realizes that he may have made a mistake. And he had it pretty good in room 214. Will he ever make it back to his friends? What do you think? <laughs> Sam supersedes. Uh, main character Sam in this book has cerebral palsy, which makes her muscles get tired quickly. And um, she has a variety of super seats in all different areas, and they all have names. So like the car seat has a name, and her couch at home has a name, and she uses those seats to sit and rest until she's ready to keep going. So one day, Sam and her friends are heading to the mall for some back-to-school shopping, Sam's mom. And after all of that walking and shopping, Sam needs to find a super seat at the mall so she can rest. I love this book because Sam's family and her friends all understand her disability, and they are able to support her in her daily activities. Um, I think there are so few picture books that speak to differently abled kids that um, it's really nice to have this one to be able to add to a classroom or a library. Hair to share. Suri is a girl who was born with more head more hair, sorry, more hair than anyone had ever seen on a baby. And it just keeps growing. One day, Suri meets Amaya at the park. And Amaya is wearing a beautiful headscarf that's purple. And Suri loves it. And she loves the color purple. And they become fast friends, of course, because making friends is that easy when you're a kid. Uh, but one day, the girls are playing, and Amaya's headscarf flies off in the wind. And Suri is surprised to find that Amaya doesn't have any hair. And that headscarf is covering up her bald head. Amaya is so embarrassed that she runs away. But she leaves behind the beautiful purple headscarf. So Suri can't find her. She looks all over the neighborhood. She processes things with her mom and tries to understand why Amaya would not have hair, and they talk through that all. And as they're walking around in town, in the neighborhood, they come across a hair salon that makes wigs from donated hair. They go inside, and Suri shows the purple scarf to the stylist in the hair salon. The stylist actually recognizes that the scarf belongs to Amaya and says that Amaya is on the list, actually, to receive a wig. Suri is so excited for her hair to be made into a wig for her best friend. Um, this book is precious. It's a little bit contrived, and you probably could see what was going to happen, and there just happens to be a hair salon while they're walking in their neighborhood. <laughs> but it is a really beautiful book about sacrifice and uh, understanding people's differences. Um, there's also some information in the back about reasons why people might be struggling with hair loss and also some charities that can help. I Forgive Alex is by the same creators as I Walk with Vanessa. I think I shared that one in 2018. Um, it's mostly a wordless book. Um, and what happens is the setting at the start of the book is at a school, and it's on a playground, and there's two different things happening. There's a basketball game going, and there is a boy who is setting out pieces of his artwork on a bench that he wants to show his friends. There are also puddles all over on the playground. What happens next is an accident. Alex, who is playing basketball, 
passes the ball, which ends up landing in a puddle, which splashes all of the boys' paintings that are on the bench. The boy is sad that his artwork is ruined. And Alex actually feels terrible. He didn't mean to do it. But the classmates are angry at him. They won't eat lunch with him. They won't play with him at the next recess. And they're just mad. They don't care that it was an accident. Finally, the boy, whose paintings were ruined, goes and talks to Alex on the playground. They end up talking to each other, and we see them shaking hands. And suddenly, when everybody on the playground sees that interaction happening, people will start coming and playing with Alex. Alex finds a way to restore the relationship and those broken uh, paintings as well. It's a story of friendship, understanding, grace, and forgiveness. And there's a lot of good opportunities for discussion. There's more information in the back of the book, too. Okay, this one is called Almost Always Best Best Friends. And honestly, if I saw the cover of this, I would not pick it up. Um, but MJ told me that there was another book by this author, and it was really good, so we read it. And it's actually really great. Um, so don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> this book is about the jealousy that occurs sometimes when you have three people trying to be friends with each other. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, Poppy and Clementine are best, best friends. They do everything together. They love playing together. They even run a bookmark business together. But one day, Clementine plays with a new friend, and her name is Georgia. And Poppy starts having all of these what-ifs pop up in her head. What if Georgia is a better friend than her? What if Clementine never wants to play with her again? Well, thankfully, Clementine calls Poppy to play the next day, but all she can do is talk about Georgia. And then Clementine says the worst thing. Georgia and her make bookmarks together. And that is the last straw. Poppy gets upset and she yells and she goes home. And I love this part of the book because dad gives Poppy the best advice. He says, you need to share your feelings with Clementine so she knows how you feel. A true friend will want to know. And then you know what dad does? He practices with her about the words that she should say when she talks to Clementine. And, um, and Dad has so much more wisdom to share. He's like the smartest picture book Dad I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, Poppy tells Clementine how she feels. And Clementine actually has some feelings to share as well. We didn't consider her side of the story, and so it's interesting to hear what her perspective was of the whole Georgia thing. Um, and then we find out that Georgia is waiting inside Clementine's house. But it turns out that the three of them can all get along together and play together, and they even let Georgia be part of the bookmark business. So this book just shares some great wisdom about friendship. I think having a classroom would be really helpful. Um, and it just touches on that real life complication when you have three people trying to be friends together. 
Have you ever wondered why there aren't more books featuring a women's motorcycle club? <laughs> Wonder no more. This is it. <laughs> this book is actually all about finding a place where you belong. Um, Nikki in the story is um, not excited about going to recess. So instead of going out to recess, she stays in the library and she helps Miss Gillum, the librarian, reshelve books instead of going out for recess. And while she's putting away the books, she has this phrase that she likes to say, everything has its place in the library, the books, Ms. Gillum, and me. And she feels like that is her place to be. When she's not in school, her place to be is her mom's cafe. And she has a favorite customer there named Maggie. And Maggie shares good books with Nikki and lets her read them. Now Maggie rides a motorcycle. And so that's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> and on Saturday, she brings a group of motorcycling women to the cafe to try her mom's pie. She calls them her motorcycle sisters. And Nikki just is a little bit jealous of what's happening because she sees this community of women coming together who are all so different. They look different. They talk about different things. And yet they can be so happy doing something they love to do together. So their happiness actually inspires Nikki to take a risk at school and to reach out and possibly make a new friend. Um, this is definitely a book for those with social anxiety, people who are looking for a place to belong, and I think this one has some great opportunities to talk about how we belong to our Heavenly Father and what that looks like. The Wishing Balloons. How many of you know the book The Rabbit Listened? I talked about that a couple years ago, too. This book reminds me of that just a little bit. Um, it has some similar themes. So the girl in the story named Dot notices that she has a new neighbor who has moved in next door. And it's a boy that's about her age. His name is Albert, and he doesn't want to play. Dot wonders why he seems so sad. And that night, she sees a balloon bump up against her window, and there's a note attached to it. And it's actually a wish from Albert, and he was sending the wish to a star. Dot keeps finding his wishes, and he, she tries to grant the wishes for Albert in any way that she can, because she wants to be his friend. Sometimes Albert smiles a little, but he still doesn't want to play. When she opens a wish that she can't possibly fulfill, that he wants his dad back, all she can do is sit with Albert and wait. We see the waiting happening in a series of pictures of the seasons passing. And eventually, you see them getting closer and talking to each other and becoming friends throughout the story. There's a lot of uh, topics you can talk about with this one. Empathy, friendship, patience, listening, all very strong in this story. OK, this is that category of books that are just kind of random. But you might be able to use them in your classroom to teach different things. Um, some of them are a little bit loose in that topic. But. So these next two books are written by Eric and Meredith Scrumbor. Eric is in the back, right? Is Meredith back there too? OK, she's over there. <laughs> so Eric and Meredith are here today in the um, exhibit hall. Um, Fresh Wind Studios is the place that they are representing today. And they are kind of new picture book authors, and they have some really cool books. 
What's especially awesome about these is they are historically and biblically accurate, which is sometimes really hard to find for teachers in a Christian school. So please, please, please check these out. I'm going to feature a couple of them today. Um, and they can actually, uh, you can buy the books at their exhibit. Um, the first one is called The Youngest Disciple. And it is an overview of Jesus' life from the perspective of John, the youngest disciple. And it covers a lot of Jesus' life. Um, it talks about his miracles, his acts of service, the Last Supper, the crucifixion, the resurrection, his commission to the disciples to tell the world all about him and his story. Um, seems like a lot to cover, but honestly, it's done in such a beautiful way. It's a rhyming book, and it is very easily accessible to even the younger students. But I think you could do a lot with it with the older kids, too. I think it'd be a great introduction when you're talking about the life of Jesus, um, getting into Easter, Good Friday, perfect for that. Um, I think it's also a really great book for helping kids to understand that they are Jesus' disciples as well, and you can never be too young or too little to make a difference in the world. They also wrote this one, The Mouse in the Manger, which is a Christmas book. Mouse lives in a house in Bethlehem and marvels at what the other animals are able to do. He wishes that he too had some sort of talent that he could share. His mother reminds him that God has big plans for him. One night, a man and a woman knock on the door. Can you guess who it was? <laughs> it's Mary and Joseph. And they are looking for a place to stay. They tell the story of how an angel appeared to them and they promised a son to save this broken world. Mary and Joseph are taken care of and baby Jesus is born all while the mouse is watching and looking on. He finally finds a way that he can share his gift and welcome baby Jesus into the world. These books have accurate descriptions of Bethlehem in the days of Jesus. Um, there's back matter in the back of the mouse in the manger, which is so helpful. There's like um, diagrams and things like that, extra information for you as a teacher so that you understand what you're talking about too and what you're seeing in the book. Um, it just supports the words in the pictures so well. It's a wonderful book to share uh, Christmas with your students. By the way, their books are not available at BookBug. They have their own booth, so you have to find them specifically. The next one is also a Christmas book. This one is called Season of Light, and I was really prepared to hate this one, and it's amazing. Because <laughs> you know some Christmas books are just not good. Right? You know that? <laughs> There's a lot that are just bad. This one's really good. I'm just gonna give a simple explanation of it. In this book, we join a family that celebrates the season of Christmas by talking about joy, togetherness, giving, song, story, faith, and light. It's just a simple rhyming book that, that captures so many aspects of the Christmas season. Um, and as I was reading it, I read it without Jay, actually. We read books together a lot, like for the first time, just to see the experience. Um, and I feel like this one started out kind of rough. And then we were like, oh, we do that. Oh, we do that at Christmas. So it's, it's a neat connection book as well. Yoshi and the Ocean. So in this book, a sea turtle is found. It is small and it is broken. It has a dent in its side. 
and some fishermen and a Japanese fishing vessel scoop her up in a net. They name her Yoshi, and they bring her to the Two Oceans Aquarium in Cape Town, South Africa. And she is brought there to recover from her injuries. They care for her and give her time to heal. And she stays there for 20 years, healing. But she becomes restless. And the people at the aquarium know that it's time to release her. And what they think she will do when they release her is find her way back home, which is just an incredible thing about sea turtles. So they glue a tracking tag to the back of her shell so that they can follow her journey along the way. And every time Yoshi rises up out of the water to get a breath of air, it sends a little signal. And so the book has this repeating phrase that says, hello from Yoshi, I am here. And so they track her as she makes this journey and they watch as she goes in some unexpected directions and also through some really dangerous areas. Um, but they keep getting that signal through the time span of a whole year. And they find, once again, hello from Yoshi, I am here. She ends up in the waters of Western Australia. And she went on a 25,000 mile journey to get back where she came from. So the story is obviously based on a true story. It's really incredible. Um, it's very accessible to young children, but the back matter in the back of the book is really good for older kids too. You can get a whole lot more in the story by reading that. Fascinating book. Also, what an opportunity to talk about how amazing God created creatures. You know, if, if you really think about the things that he has made that we can talk about and, and show his, um, and be amazed, like Gary Schmidt talked about this morning, show our amazement. All right, this one's pretty quick. It's a very basic book. I think this one would be great for preschool, kindergarten teachers. Um, it's very simple, it's beautifully illustrated, and it's called A Seed Grows. Um, it's just an illustrated book about the life cycle of a sunflower seed. And in the back there is some extra information that you could use um, to beef up the story a little bit. But it is very simple. I wonder too if this one could be used as a mentor text for kids who are writing informational um, text because it is so simple and it's easy to follow that it might be a good mentor text for something like that. Pizza. A Slice of History by Greg Pizzoli. Um, did you know that in the US we eat 350 slices of pizza every second? <laughs> this book explores the history of pizza and also talks about pizza and what it looks like all around the world. It's just fascinating and informative, and it's just a look at pizza. It's, it's really interesting, especially if you like pizza. Um, in the back, there is a recipe from Greg Pizzoli himself, the author, um, for toaster oven mini pizzas. You can make those together with your family, or your class, if you feel like using a toaster oven. <laughs> if you find a leaf, is a story about a little girl who is collecting all of the fall leaves that are falling in her area. Um, they're all different varieties of leaves, they're all different colors, and they're beautiful. The end papers of the book actually feature the different leaves that she finds, and they're actually photographs of those um, leaves. So it's a mix of, of photographs and artwork 
in the book. It's beautiful. The girl uses her imagination to create scenes and situations using the fall leaves as inspiration. And the leaves create a sail for a boat, a hammock, a hot air balloon, a glowy fire, and even more. Um, there's information in the back of the book about how the author preserved the leaves so she could use them to illustrate her book. Um, so, really great book for fall and a possible project even to try with your students if you're interested in doing that. All right, Farmhouse is by Sophie Blackall. She is a two-time Caldecott Award winner, and I'm going to call this one for this year, um, for the Caldecott. It is a beautifully illustrated book. Um, I'm going to start actually with the author's note in the back of the book. Um, Sophie herself purchased a plot of land that she was going to use to build like a writer's studio. And she was delighted to find on that plot of land was an old dilapidated farmhouse. And she like rummaged through the farmhouse and she saved whatever she could from the farmhouse that was left inside. And she did extensive research on the family that lived there for so many years. Um, in the story, she tells the story of the Swantok family. And she uses bits and pieces that she finds about their lives. And she uses her imagination to tie it all together since she doesn't have all the details about them. So she uses this also. It's just a beautifully written text. It's all one sentence. It's the biggest run-on sentence ever. Um, but it has such a unique rhythm, and then sometimes it rhymes, and sometimes it doesn't, and it's just really beautiful. And actually, the illustrations are made partly from the things that she found in the farmhouse. So like little bits of newspaper, wallpaper, things like that. It's a really neat story, and the author's note in the back is really, really interesting as well. The Mouse Who Carried a House on His Back. Jonathan Stutzman is also, also the author of Tiny T-Rex. Do you remember that one? You little dinosaur. This one is not like that. <laughs> Vincent is a mouse who travels with boots on his feet, a hat on his head, and a house on his back. He is a well-traveled mouse, and he's lived in many places. But at this particular time where the book is set, he decides to set up his house right then and there because he feels like that's where he needs to be. It's almost like a calling for him. Weary, wet, and hungry travelers pass his house, and, and Vincent always offers them shelter and some food to eat. And if you can see the house in the picture, it's not very big. The animals are grateful for the help, but they don't think there's any way that they can fit into, into his very small house. But somehow there is always more room. It's kind of like that story, The Mitten by Jan Brett. Vincent welcomes animals of all kinds, but when a giant hungry bear stops by seeking shelter, will the other animals be able to stop Vincent from letting it in? Not going to tell you. 
Vincent's openness to the call of where his house should be and his big heart for others who are struggling bring up lots of opportunities to talk about empathy and sacrifice. Great little book. Okay, this is another book that I read with MJ for the first time. Um, and there are some shocking things that happen in this story, so I can't tell you very much because it's going to ruin it for you. But Mina and her father are mice, and they live in a piece of tree in the woods, like a fallen tree. Mina's father brings home surprises from the woods all the time, but one day he has gone too far. He has brought home a cat but he thinks it's a squirrel. <laughs> so a funny adventure ensues, and I just, I, I can't tell you about it because you'll miss out on all the funny stuff yourself. Um, I'm not sure exactly how this one will help your teaching, but it's a really fun book, and the kids <laughs> will need to make some inferences as they um, read, so we'll count it as that. <laughs> just a delightful See You Someday Soon is by Pat Ziegler Miller, author of so many great books, including Sophie Squash and other ones that I can't think of right now. But there's so many good ones. She, she really knocks books out quickly. I'm impressed. And they're always good. This one is about um, the struggles that happen in a long-distance relationship between a grandparent and a grandchild. Um, they find ways to communicate and keep in touch, even though they are very far away. And they come up with some crazy ideas about how they could be together right now, but none of those are going to work. They find ways to talk about how to share their love with each other and they make a little sign of a heart when they're speaking to each other over the computer. Um, there is a fun little surprise at the end of the book, and I think kids with faraway grandparents will make some really good connections with this one. If you have grandparents today coming up, this would be a great one for them. This is another book that I like a little bit more every time I read it. There's so much in the illustrations that I missed the first couple of times um, that just give it so much more depth. Um, so it's called The More You Give. And if you can just imagine The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, but it's a little bit updated. And maybe the giving and the taking are a little bit more balanced. Um, here's how it begins. Once, there was a wide open field and a boy who loved his grandmother, who loved him back, and they were happy. Can you kind of, if you know the giving tree, it sounds a lot like the beginning of that. In the story, the grandmother gives the boy many gifts, hugs, laughter, acorns, and wisdom about how things grow. And that boy grows up and gives gifts in return to his grandmother, a poem, a picture, a crown of flowers, and his love. When that boy grows up and has his own daughter, he passes along the gifts that his grandmother gave to him. And the giving continues that way throughout the whole story. And they're actually growing oak trees throughout the whole book. And so by the end of the book, there's a beautiful forest. I think this would be a delightful book for celebrating grandparents and all of that knowledge and love that's passed down from generation to generation. Um, and again, this one has some layers to it, so I think older readers would probably be able to see more than a younger reader would, um, but it is accessible to both. My Pet Feet 
by Josh Funk. You might know Josh Funk from um, Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast and all of those books. Normally he is the king of rhyme, but this one is not a rhyming book. It has a whole different premise to it um, and a style to it. So I was very curious how this one would read out loud. And so I watched MJ read it in the library to several different grade levels. It's such a fascinating book. Um, and it's actually just genius. Uh, in the first couple of pages, we figure out that the 18th letter of the alphabet, letter R, is missing. So instead of a pet ferret, we have pet feet. And instead of go-karts, we have go-cats. And instead of a friend, we have a fiend. <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on. Will this mystery ever be found? <laughs> Salt. <laughs> and R, yes it will. <laughs> I guarantee it at the end. Um, but you're going to have to find the book, read the book and find out. Um, I would say, I, when I watched MJ read it to older kids, they were able to get it without a lot of scaffolding and background work. But with little kids who are just learning to read and figure out what letters do, um, you're going to have to give them a little bit of extra scaffolding. So um, it's just a fun book, and it's so fascinating to watch kids kind of struggle a little bit. It's a little bit of a challenge for them, and it keeps them hooked the whole time. So it also has a great ending. It's a funny book. I think you'll enjoy that one. Polar Bear Island is actually from 2018, but I just discovered it this summer and met the author at a conference. Um, in this book, Parker is the mayor of Polar Bear Island, where only polar bears are allowed. And he plans to keep it that way. But then a plucky little penguin named Kirby shows up and makes her way into the hearts of all the other polar bears there with her homemade flipper slippers and her boundless joy. Well, Parker is not happy that Kirby has come and taken her new inventions to the island and wants her to leave. But the other polar bears beg Parker to let Kirby stay. And he does. And then Kirby's family shows up. And they have snow cones and sled beds and snowshoots. And Parker is furious and he wants them to leave immediately. But something happens next, where he needs the help of these creative penguins to get back on his feet. Will he let them stay and open the island to everyone? All right, somewhere in the bayou. This is a story about including others. And it kind of talks a lot about the fact that it takes um, Oh, sorry, wrong notes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Starting over. A possum, squirrel, rabbit, and mouse are four swamp animals that are looking for a way to cross a river. They find a log where they can cross, but they also find a tail near the log that looks a little bit suspicious. Each one of them has their own idea for how to pass the tale based on the assumption they are making about it. So, one of them thinks it's a sneaky tale, so they decide to pass it quietly. One of them thinks it's a scary tale, so they decide to intimidate it. And one of them thinks it's a mean tale, so they're mean to it on the way past. 
but none of these attempts work, and a possum, squirrel, and rabbit all end up in the river. Mouse is the last to pass the tail on the log, and he takes into, the account, into account the mistakes that his friends have made. And he takes a moment to ask questions about the tail and discover something that the others didn't. That perhaps the tail just needs some help. I think this is a good book to remind us that making assumptions can sometimes lead to foolishness. And it's just a great story for some of that thinking. Um, it also has a fabulous ending, which I will not tell you about. Acorn is a little wild. He is the first of his generation to jump off the oak tree, and he cannot wait to have some wild adventures. Now the oak tree warns him about the squirrels, and yes, he has had a few run-ins with the squirrels, but everything always turns out okay, until one day a squirrel buries him in the ground. It's pretty hard to be wild underground, but he still finds a way. In the end, you probably guess that Acorn turns into a mighty oak tree himself, but he always finds a way to stay a little bit wild. Basically, this book is about the life cycle of an oak tree, but it just has incredible voice, super funny, um, and it's a great way to tell that life cycle.
I love a good how-to story. Um, this will be a great mentor text for how-tos. Uh, the girl in this book wants to be a rock star and takes many of the steps necessary to do so. She forms a little band, including her little brother, which is not ideal, but we'll have to do. And her stuffies are used as backup singers. She finds some instruments, a broom for guitar, pots and pans for drums, toilet paper roll for a microphone, and she asks her family for band name suggestions. Mom says, the Cuddle Monsters. Dad says, the Not So Loud Band. <laughs> the brother shouts, Abaga! And you'll banish them all for rock and roll band naming. <laughs> the book continues on with more steps in band drama. I think this one will be great for a how-to mentor text because there's a way to take the simplicity of the how-to steps out of it, but also for older writers, you're able to get that writer's craft and the voice that's coming out of it too. It's a funny book. It's a great read aloud. I was not expecting to like this one. It's called Agasaurus, and it's done entirely in letters sent between a boy and Agasaurus Incorporated, which is a dinosaur egg company. Here's how the first few pages go. Dear customer, thank you for your Agasaurus purchase. Your eggs may contain herbivore, omnivore, or carnivore. Please keep eggs warm and rotated. Have a variety of foods available. They enjoy listening to music. No refunds. Thank you for your purchase, Agasaurus Incorporated. Dear Agasaurus Incorporated, my dad says I need to ask for a refund. Maximus, P.S. I'm keeping the eggs warm with my fuzziest sweater. Dear customer, we are sorry your father is unhappy with your Eggosaurus product, but as previously stated, there are no refunds. Please accept these two additional eggs as compensation. <laughs> Thank you, Eggosaurus Incorporated. As the story continues, Maximus gets more and more eggs from the company and even shares them with his friends. And his dad and him become much more comfortable with the idea of just having some dinosaurs around the house. This is a funny one. I think you could really use this for a mentor text as well for letter writing. This book is not for you. This is by Shannon Hale, um, who wrote the Princess of Black series. And in this story, Stanley is excited to visit the bookmobile and pick out a new book to read. But when he gets there, he finds that the normal bookmobile librarian is not there, and a very old man is filling in instead. And Stanley has a book that he wants, but he, the, the old man won't let him check it out because it has a girl as a main character. So he gives it to the girl that's in line behind Stanley. Um, Stanley tries to check out a book about cats, and the old man says it can all be checked out by cats. Of course, there's one in line, so he gives it to the cat. When Stanley says he likes robots, um, the librarian says, here's a robot book, but of course, only robots can read books about robots. Well, after a while, Stanley just gets frustrated, takes the book that the librarian gives him, and goes off to read it. And after a few minutes, those readers start switching the books that they got from the librarian, and they end up reading what they really wanted to read. Funny story, and a good reminder that kids need some choice in their reading. I'm going to make this one really quick. This is a very simple story about courage. It's a little pup that wants to go down a slide, ends up finding a friend that helps him get through that scary experience. 
Great book about courage and bravery. The Great Zabino um, is a story that is mostly wordless, um, but it is about a circus performer who leaps from very tall areas onto a small trampoline. And in the circus, we see that he doesn't actually complete the leap. He ends up escaping circus life forever, goes and finds a new life in a very high up apartment, and we find out at the end of the book that he's going to need to use some bravery and courage with what is going on in his new life. Brave Every Day, great book for anxious kiddos. Camila is in this book, she worries a lot. She has lots of what ifs, I can't, and things like that. She thinks about what could possibly go wrong in every single situation. Um, she has an upcoming field trip to the aquarium and she can't even handle it. She ends up going and she finds out that there's a friend there with her, a classmate, that is also kind of worried about things. So they end up tackling their fears together. Lots of good discussion books about this one too. Lou. Lou has a very special job as the neighborhood toilet. <laughs> and while that is a very important job, he feels like there's just something more inside for him to give. And so in this story, we see that there's a building fire in the background, and Lou ends up finding out his true purpose. It's really cute. Very Big Fall is a, is a book about facing change and finding out that change can sometimes be a good thing. Uh, the three leaves in the story all have different personalities. One of them is worried about the changes coming, one is excited, and one is grumpy, and they all face the changes of fall together. They find out that there's a little girl who collects them and has a big plan for them um, at the end of the story. Change can also bring joy and excitement. That's Not My Name is a great story about the importance of pronouncing people's names correctly. In the story, uh, we have Mirha, and nobody can pronounce her name in her class. One boy even asks if they can just call her Maya, since it's easier to say. So she's too shy to correct everyone. At night she goes home, her parents tell her the importance of her name and that it means happiness. And she also, mom also says, if people can learn to pronounce Michelangelo, Beethoven, and Tchaikovsky, they can certainly learn her name. So the next day she goes back to school, politely corrects people who are saying her name wrong. And I just think this is such an important thing uh, to remember people's names and how they're pronounced. I think this is the last one, right? Let me make it. Huh. Little Red and the Big Bad Editor. In this story, Little Red gets a package from her granny, and she decides to write a thank you note. She scribbles the thank you note down, gets some yummy goodies together, and goes off to deliver them to Grandma. On the way, of course, she meets Mr. Wolf, and he is hungry. And as he leans in to eat her, he notices the thank you note, and is appalled that there are no spaces between her words. <laughs> So he takes out a pencil and fixes it. And every time Little Red escapes, Mr. Wolf finds her and finds something else wrong with the letter. <laughs> and as her journey continues, her whole letter gets edited. Mr. Wolf, Granny, and Little Red eat some apple crisp together. And the book ends with Mr. Wolf writing a lovely letter to Granny and Little Red. Perfect for those kids 
who are just starting out as a team. And maybe they'll want to do it if a whole fan. Thank you so much.